Hey, food friends, and welcome to the Food Founders Podcast. Whether you're looking to get on your very first store shelf or you're looking to grow your national or even international food brand, this podcast is going to teach you what it really takes to launch, grow, and scale a packaged food brand. Hear the food founder journeys of brands growing in their industry so you can fast track your food business success. I'm your host, Ainsley, and this is the Food Founders Podcast. Hey, food friends, and welcome to the Food Founders Podcast. I'm your host, Ainsley, and today I am thrilled to have Courtney Boyd Myers, otherwise known as CBM, from Akua Kalpturki today on the Food Founders Show, and we're going to be talking about the journey of this company and the impact that they're making and what that looks like. So Courtney, thank you so much for being on the Food Founders Podcast. Ainsley, thank you for having me. Can you open it up by just sharing with us a little bit about Akua? What are you guys all about? Yeah, it's a, you know, I'm, I'm in the middle of like fundraising and like filling out all these grant applications. And I feel like I've, I've written this paragraph so many times that I don't want to sound robotic. Um, what, what we started doing in 2016, it started on a kelp farm. We, we went out to the New Haven area uh, in Connecticut and took a boat out just saw some ropes kind of floating in the water. My friend picked up one of the ropes and showed me this beautiful brown kelp, which is a type of seaweed, growing off the rope. And he said, eat it. (laughs) And I was like, what do you mean eat it? And I took a bite and I was like, oh my God, this is delicious. And my friend started explaining to me how he had been working uh, with all these fishermen who were really kind of like underemployed, if you will. They weren't making the living they needed to to survive by just fishing. He'd been showing them how to grow kelp and and kind of teaching them about the benefits of this concept around ocean gardening versus being ocean hunters as fishermen. Saying, you know, if you can grow kelp like this in the open water, you know, not only is it like planting a rainforest underwater because the kelp as it's growing, it's sequestering carbon and nitrogen. It's providing like a a temporary home for sea creatures. Uh, It's a future food. It doesn't grow, you know, it grows without the the use of dry land or or fresh water, which, you know, are very taxing on on our resources today when we talk about giant food production. And, and you can make an extra 25 to 50 K in revenue off of these kelp farms. And I was like, this is amazing. How do I help more fishermen start kelp farms because of the environmental reason and the economic reason. And then I started eating this kelp all the time and feeling amazing. And I, you know, was losing weight and high energy and my skin was clear. And I was like, wow, eating seaweeds actually has amazing health benefits. And I've done so much research since then. And and I'm like, 15% of the Asian world eats seaweed every day. Why don't we in the US? Um, so I, I, you know, I set out to create a Kua because I was like, how can I not, you know, between the, the economic environmental and health reasons for bringing this, you know, virtuous vegetable, if you will, um, to the modern market. That's, I love that story. Like not only, first of all, thank you to your friend who encouraged you to try it. Um, yeah. <laughs> that, that helped open up so much and you're right. Like so many other people are enjoying this really beneficial product. 
in different forms all across the globe, how do we make that more accessible to people here? And when you talk about just the overall impact that you know, kelp and seaweed can have, you're right. Like, why not? How can you not want to develop that? It really is like a win-win-win for everyone involved. When you decided to start this company, I would imagine there was a lot of potential obstacles. Like this doesn't sound like an easy company to necessarily start, you know, like all things considered, it might be easier to start like a keto cookie or something like that. What are some of the (laughs) obstacles um, that you had to overcome and and what did that kind of look like? You know, I had no idea what I was in for. (laughs) I think blind optimism is something that probably is a characteristic of a lot of entrepreneurs. They sort of just see this thing at the top of the mountain and they just start running up it. And all of a sudden, halfway up, they're like covered in blood and brambles and sweating and out of shape. And they're like, why did I start this? And I feel like the past few years of my life have been bloody and covered in brambles, but I'm still looking straight at the top. And I'm like, I know that this is going to be a seaweed phenomena over the next, you know, half decade. And I know that people are going to be seeking out foods that are more sustainable, that are easier on the planet, that are regenerative and foods that are just super healthy, you know? And I, I know we have a long way to get there. And I know that sometimes it feels like maybe the world's actually getting worse and we're getting fatter and unhealthier and people are, you know, poisoning our water supply. But I do believe that if, you know, you fast forward 30 years and my grandkids are asking me, what were you doing when the climate change, you know, became front page news and and the world started dying? And I can at least say, you know what? started a kelp company and that's why everyone eats seaweed today. (laughs) Um, So I think as an entrepreneur, you kind of just have to keep looking at the big vision and the big goal and just run and train uh, your way there. Yeah. So beautifully said. I think it's, it's certainly not an easy journey, but when Mm -mm. there's a mission behind it and you know that it is like the right thing to do, it makes all the bruises and scrapes and cuts and all of that worth it because you know that you're at least working towards a cause that is worth working for. Yeah, exactly. And I think about these keto cookie companies all the time. (laughs) And I'm like, you know, if it's not a keto cookie, it's a, you know, a better for you millennial pink branded, you know, new sparkling water brand. (laughs) And I just you know, starting any company is really hard. And if you don't have like a strong mission and passion behind what you do, I just, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think there's two types of entrepreneurs that I've seen. I think there's people that are really mission driven. And then I think there's people that are just like bloodthirsty operators who go out there and kind of see something that's working. And they're like, I'm just going to do that better. And I'm going to like plow down the person who was like the first to create something because it's hard to create something. And I'm going to optimize all the things I see that they did wrong and, and do it better. And that's just kind of the history of innovation, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. You need the innovators and the optimizers. Um, You know, we wouldn't have Facebook today if we didn't have MySpace. So that's, that's how it goes. But I don't have personally the kind of ambition to get out and, 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 you know, be in the arena every day if I don't have that, like that mission driving me. 
when you, um, when you first started, what was one of the things, like going back to that now, what was one of the things that you might wish that you had known then that you now know after, how long have you been running the business? We incorporated in 2017, but it was very much like a part-time passion project until about 2018 when we launched our Kickstarter. Got it. Got it. Yeah. What do you wish that you knew back then when it was in its early days that you now have the wisdom over that that could help you? You know, it's, it's hard to sometimes say, you know, I wish I had known this and, and done that differently because, you know, there's you are where you are and, and the path you're on, you know, you have to have faith that'll lead to the, to the right uh, ending point. That all being said, I think that you oftentimes as a first time, you know, founder raising capital for your business. I think most, I, I really underestimated the amount of capital, capital that we needed to see the vision through. And, you know, I kind of was at this, like when I raised $500,000 for the business, I was like, Five hundred thousand dollars! Like this is half a million. This is so much money, and I was like so shocked by like how much money that was, and I was so excited, and I thought this is gonna, you know, this is all we need. And uh, you know, we were in many ways just we had to be so scrappy with that. And you know, you're up against companies, especially in the plant based food space, that are raising you know six million bucks. Uh, you know, Impossible Burger raised nine million dollars with just an idea. And, you know, Impossible Burger had 90 engineers working on their first product. Like, it's just me and my co-founder working on our kelp burger. (laughs) So I I think that if I could go back in time, I would have tried to raise more capital, especially now that we've been in the middle of like COVID and it's really hard to raise capital. I think, you know, we were in a market in 2018 that was just like crazy, you know, lots of M&A, lots of really, you know, high multiples on valuations. Um, and, and I, you know, we just, we didn't think those good days were going to ever end. <laughs> um, and now we're kind of, you know, back at the bottom and starting this new cycle, which is a good place to start a business, but hard to be, you know, really, really bootstrapped and, and cash restrained at this point. Other than that, I think, you know, Going into running Akua, my co-founder and I are both first-time food founders. And I think if I could do it all again, like, you know, I would make sure that we had one person on our executive team who had that deep CPG experience because, you know, at the end of the day, it it there is a formula to a lot of these things in terms of getting it right and getting your product scaling in the right way. Um, and we've 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 been, you know, lucky. We've asked for a lot of help. Um, but if we had had someone on our team with that deep experience, I think that would have been so much easier um, looking back. And you mentioned Kickstarter. Did your first full launch and that $500,000 raised, did that come from Kickstarter? And if so, what led you guys to want to raise that way versus going friends or family or going straight to uh, investors right away? So we we did a combination. Uh, we raised five hundred thousand dollars from investors, basically founders of food companies 
but wanted to, you know, reinvest into the industry. And then uh, a couple really small VC funds that were focused on um, female founders. And then our Kickstarter, we, we also were on Indiegogo right after. They have like a demand program where basically if you're successful in Kickstarter, they kind of tell you, okay, you know, keep, keep on front, uh, fundraising on Indiegogo. And so between those two platforms, we raised over $80,000 from customers. Those two uh, initiatives are really different. You know, the VC capital, you're giving away ownership in your business to um, have the upstart cash to get going when you, you, know, you can't get like bank financing loans. Um, the, the, the crowdfunding, you really don't make money off crowdfunding. You know, you're, you're, you're thinking about like the video production, the cost of the prizes, which is product, like the marketing of the campaign. So you're lucky if you break even on a crowdfunding campaign. So it's really just about marketing and building that like early customer base, which for us was so great. You know, we have people, who like this one guy was like, I just tried your new spicy chili lime flavor. I've been a customer since Kickstarter and this is like the best one yet. And when you like see this person and you're like, I don't know this human, but like they've been on this journey with me now for like two going on, you know, three years. Like that is just so amazing. Um, so I, I love Kickstarter for the community aspect more than anything. Yeah. It's been able to kind of create these early fans. And and I love that people will reach out and let you know when your products are really hitting with them and they're really enjoying it. I think that it's those little things. Um, Cause let's be honest, being a food founder, there's a lot of ups and downs. And sometimes when you get a note like that, you're like, all right, this is like, this just made someone else's day with it. And it really um, is really ga- great for grounding you back in, you know, not only are you doing it for the environment, but you're doing it for, you know, people's health and people's enjoyment as well. And those little moments, I don't know, sometimes I know they're really great to savor. Totally. I mean, it it really makes my day. Like it's just, you know, it's the ups and downs of, of entrepreneurship on a daily basis. There's, there's so, the highs are so high and the lows are so low and, customers can be like really unkind sometimes. And when customers are like that praiseworthy and loving, it's just like, it's the best feeling in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And now talk to me, um, can you talk a little bit about the full, like your full product line? Because this, this is a really innovative lineup that you have. Can you share a little bit more about what it is? And also if you have any plans on evolving, going into different, um, different territories? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that we are breaking the rules a little bit in CPG and in terms of like very uh, rapid development of products and like a product line. You know, I think a lot of people, if they were looking at like a playbook would be like, okay, stick to kelp jerky, you know, release two new flavors a year, like scale that up to this number. Then like, think about your next product that it has to be like in the same part of the grocery store. And we're like all over the map. You know, so kelp jerky, like first product, we looked at, you know, the kind of high protein snacking trends. We looked at vegan jerky. We didn't see any high protein vegan jerky that didn't have soy in it. So we were like, all right, we're going to create that. And it's the only high protein vegan jerky on the market today. And we, 
you know, sold it for about nine months. And then people were like, Hey, uh, you know, I don't want to buy these individual bags because you know, it's plastic. And even though we use recyclable plastic, I totally get that. So we have these bulk bags of kelp jerky and paper bags that customers can buy. And then, you know, kind of do like a Mason jar setup at home about a month later you know, we, we got this like shipment of kelp in that had been put through like a calamari cutter. So it was in the shape of noodles. And it was this product that is actually how I started eating kelp, you know, when we were doing R and D and, and coming up with things like the jerky and I, and I'm so obsessed with just kelp in its pure form. And so I was like, I want to sell this to our customers. I know it's not going to be like the biggest hit because it's literally just seaweed cut into noodle shapes. But, um, you know, I think we can maybe sell it into some restaurants and, and see how it goes. And this product has been so loved by people. You know, we're still selling it in paper bags. Like we haven't invested in packaging for it because it's, you know, it's, it's low volumes, but people are just like crazy about it. They order like four bags a month on subscription. And then, you know, kind of coming into 2020, our manufacturer was just like, Hey, we have this like huge, you know, center of plate meat distribution business. And we really want like a, a burger that's vegan and made from kelp. Like, what do you guys think? And we were like, we've always wanted to do a kelp burger. Like, this is awesome. So we started working on the idea. And then when COVID hit, you know, you saw this like massive um, wave of people like cooking in their homes for their first time. And like, I don't have kids yet, but I have like so many friends who are moms and are just like, they're so tired. You know, they're like, now they're teachers and they're working and they're running businesses and like they're to cook dinner. And I was like, wow, I just wish I could give these moms like an option to like throw a kelp burger on a skillet. And like five minutes later, they're giving their kids this like ocean garden of vegetables that like taste delicious. And so that's like our plan with the burger. You know, we, we've been secretly selling it all summer. Um, there's like a secret link you have to get when, like from someone on our team. And, you know, we do that because we're really in feedback mode. We don't want to sell it to people who like aren't going to like fill out a survey or something. And so, yeah, the burger's been great. We're, we're like raising funds now to bring that to the market in the fall. We were talking to some really cool chains about, you know, getting it out into restaurants. And so, yeah, Kelp Burger's next. After that, um, we're, we're looking at a lot more of like the meat alternative frozen goods space to move into. That makes a lot of sense with the Kelp Burger. I'm really excited to see that continue to grow. I mean, you are kind of, you're continuing to provide these alternatives for people. And we've just seen such a massive, you know, uptick in people going to vegan, vegetarian options for kind of their everyday occasions. Like you see it with the jerky that you have and with burgers, we've obviously a ton, we've seen a ton with that in the last few years. I think this is going to be really awesome. I can't wait to see like this on menus in a bunch of places because I think there's a ton of opportunity with it to just revolutionize the type of food that people have been enjoying. And it's the same type of occasion. People can still enjoy a burger. It's just you can have it be more environmentally sustainable, better for your body. And yeah, we really can vote with our dollars and a product like this makes it really enjoyable to vote for, you know, the future of food. Yeah. I, you know, I love that concept you just said about voting for your dollar with your dollars. I think it's, it's so important. And it was introduced to me like a few years ago. Um, I think my husband actually, you know, he was just like the most important thing you can do is vote with your dollars. And 
you know, I'm not perfect, like so far from, and, you know, I ordered off Amazon that's, you know, probably made in China and like comes in these like plastic, you know, wraps and, and paper bags and like, but it's horrible, you know, I'm like we have to be better we, because that's like where the change is going to come from. And like, obviously voting on a governmental level is extremely important, but the everyday actions of voting with your dollars, those add up so much and, and they grow through reverberations and word of mouth. And it's something that I wish people talked about more. So thank you for bringing it up. And I'm really curious about, again, going back to the burger, your secret link is that something that you guys intentionally did like from a marketing create like a buzz around it or is it because it is more in this beta phase and you're trying to get genuine feedback from people to perfect this product or a little bit of both a little bit of both you know i think we we did the jerky on kickstarter and we are not doing kickstarter for the kelp burger I think the heyday of kickstart multiple company, you know, doing multiple kickstarters for your company, I think that heyday is over. I think you can still, like, I don't see a lot of kickstarters anymore. And it makes me really sad because kickstarter is amazing. And we're looking at like doing an equity crowdfunding campaign for the burger where like, you know, anyone could actually just invest in a Kua now that we like have this business that's running. And I have a lot of friends who are like, I wish I could invest, but like, you know, I'd only be able to put in like 500 bucks. And I'm like, you know, I wish they could invest too, because that's like that many more people that care about your business succeeding. So we've been looking at platforms like Republic and Start Engine, but for the short term, you know, this like idea of trying to find this secret link, you know, it means people are like asking for it and they're telling their friends and there's definitely like, you know, buzz generated around it. I think we'll probably do like one press piece coming up soon about the burger and, and then you can get the secret link from the, from the press link. And so it won't be so secret anymore, but still, if you go to our site, you can't find the link. It's, it's nowhere. So you do have to DM us and, and we'll send it to you. You know, it's just, we want to know everyone who's buying it right now. And, and that's the best way to do that. I love that. I think that's a really great way to create that buzz, create that virality with it and get people just genuinely excited and engaged with your product. It's one thing if people passively buy it, but if they are like full advocates being like, oh my gosh, have you tried this? Here's the secret link. Like that's how so many, it's interesting. That's how actually like a lot of tech companies have started. You don't see it so much from a food perspective. I think that's really innovative that you guys are doing that. And making it, you know, making the product exciting and getting people continuously engaged with you. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good, you know, I think beyond an impossible or like creating so much buzz around plant-based burgers. So it's just, it's awesome. And they're, you know, doing so much of that initial work for us in terms of like converting people from, you know, like that idea that you can only really eat a meat burger. (laughs) And so we're, we're kind of taking a little bit of an antithesis to impossible and beyond though. Like our whole tagline right now is made with love, not with, not in the lab. Mm -hmm. And, um, you can pronounce every ingredient. Ingredient, you you will not only be able to pronounce every ingredient on our on our packaging, but you will probably have those ingredients in your cupboard, or or you can buy them on a grocery store. You know, I think one of the things that scares me about Beyond and Impossible is like chemicals like methyl methyl cellulose, and I look it up, and it's like a laxative, and <laughs> I'm like, what? And it's you know, I talked to an engineer, and he's like, oh yeah, it's a chemical that like you know, helps bind things. And, and I'm like, I, you know, why, why, why do we have to like warp food so much like this when like 
you know, beautifully grown fruits and vegetables and mushrooms and seaweeds taste so good. Um, so that that's the field we're playing in. It's not supposed to be like Frankenmeat. It's it's definitely supposed to be a return to you know loving wholesome food. I think that's fantastic. I think that that is the future of food, and I'm excited that you are leading the charge in that. CBM, well, thank you. where can people find Akua? Because I'm sure lots of people listening right now are like, how can I get my hands on this? Guys, you might not be able to get the secret link yet. Just wait. But if people want <laughs> to get any of your other products um, or maybe the secret link, where where can they find you? Yeah, for sure. So um, we have an, a website. <laughs> it's akuaakua.co. So .co. We couldn't get .com. And, uh, you know, we're at like Fakua on Instagram. If you guys do want the secret link to the burger, just DM us. And, uh, you know, when it comes to yummy discount codes on our site, a good one to always use is mermaid food, all capital letters. Um, and that'll, that'll give you a, a nice little discount. I love that mermaid food. Thank <laughs> you so much for sharing your journey and thank you so much for being on this journey to really help revitalize the food system and you know what people are enjoying um, at, during all of their meal occasions or snack occasions. So thanks for sharing. Oh, my pleasure. And thanks for helping to share our story and having me on. Yeah, of course. The Food Founders Podcast is brought to you by the Fab Growth Academy, the online hub for driven food and beverage business owners that want to get on more shelves, get into more homes, and really grow their food business. Inside the Fab Growth Academy, Fab standing for food and beverage, you'll have unlimited access to tools, resources, and training from myself and my food friends. So if you know you have a great product, let's work on building the business side of things so that more people can enjoy it and you can make the impact I know you want to make with your business. The Fab Growth Academy is now open. So hop on over to growmyfoodbrand.com to join me and your fellow food founders inside the Fab Growth Academy. I cannot wait to see you in there and help you grow your business.